0: Welcome Cole to the World XP podcast this is episode number 26. Um, it's a pleasure to have you on I've seen you on, on LinkedIn. Seems every time like I turn around, you're involved in, in a new project somewhere in the space industry somewhere, um, which is quite remarkable really, because most, well, I'll say normal people, but most people, when you think about space, you'll hear Elon tweets, watch a SpaceX launch and then you'll just go back to your day. But you, are right in the middle of it so welcome
1: thank you eric really really glad to be here and i uh, be speaking with you today i'm uh, looking forward to our conversation
0: yeah for sure it should be a good one so you have been in the space industry for probably what four four or five years now is that is that accurate
1: yeah coming on uh five years and uh everything um Involved in uh, space technology and and exploration, um, could could elaborate more on my uh, career and 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 what uh, how I got into all this uh, craziness.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because that's not something that I think most people are not most people, but people who are interested in it kind of either. They think about it and they're like oh that would be cool but then they think they don't know the avenue to get into it or they think maybe the only way is to either be an astronaut or like a engineer or something and engineering schools especially for my aerospace engineering is quite difficult um, and so they kind of will go oh i'll go do something more more realistic but you didn't do that so what got you interested in in it in the first place and then how did you sort of make
1: your way into the industry? Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful question. And it's a, that, that quote from Steve Jobs really resonates here in terms of, uh, you know, you can connect the dots looking, uh, looking backward in, in, in time from the present. Um, I, I believe it stems from four or five culminating experiences uh the first one being a uh, internship the last uh two years in uh college with you um mm-hmm. at, at Mary Washington. Um, uh, developing a imaging satellite radar constellation um at, at a company called Trident Space. And so that was these uh, satellites were kind of like a stepping stone uh, toward the greater, becoming involved in the space ecosystem. And I um, graduated a little early, uh, around December of 2017. And, uh, but before then there was also another experience that was a study abroad in Bilbao, Spain. Uh, That was spring of 2017. And um, that was really fueled by this passion for um, adventure and um, something deeper in in life. And so that really sparked this passion for travel and uh, um, exploration. And so I found myself on a plane shortly after college, destined to, you know, live and work abroad in in singapore for a few months uh and you know i didn't really know anyone over there and i didn't have really much work aligned but i was fortunate enough to be supported by my parents um and you know i realized while i was over there that the greater reason was to go explore and so i just started traveling right And, and uh I, I just uh, would bounce around to all these beautiful countries in Southeast Asia. And I developed this, uh, really got into motorcycling over there. And um, it's kind of an initially sparked from this 1,000-kilometer uh, trip through uh, the, the western coast of Italy on on these massive uh, 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 motorcycles that I was convinced we were just like total my, myself um and so i uh, wound up riding ten thousand kilometers on on a motorcycle <laughs> throughout uh, ten countries in southeast asia uh and you know i rode through uh have seen some uh I rode through a lot of chaos in, in the streets and uh a lot of uh you know borderline uh i don't know uh Dangerous situations, a lot of very close calls and uh, several crashes. I, I, I'm lucky to, you know, be here having this conversation with you, yes. Um, and I guess that uh, I was on a journey and became inspired to launch a nonprofit over there after um really experiencing a deeper side of humanity and, and and all the poverty over there. And I was kind of wound up with this lifelong passion for um, philanthropy and, and, and giving back. Um, and while I was over there, I had a lot of time to conceptualize my thoughts and uh, I was in the bathroom of this Vietnamese airport. Um, and I, you know, I just, Was pacing back and forth for like an hour or two about like really um like what do I want to do with my life and and so I was at that moment I I decided to commit to starting Frontier Space um, and and I really launched a space research organization and podcast and that was kind of after like motorcycling under the stars and kind of realizing that ninety percent of what I was reading was about space and four, uh, you know, to support life and the expansion of life throughout our solar system. Um, and so we've, uh, it's, it's primarily a podcast now, uh, and, and it's been operating for around, uh, uh, you know, one and a half years since 2019, uh, go, go check it out. We, a lot of really interesting, uh, concepts that are revolutionizing life on earth and, 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 um, Around us, beyond Earth, um, and yeah, so those were uh, a few of the experiences that really compelled me toward this deeper dive um, and dedicate significant amounts of, uh, of my my career.
0: <laughs> Definitely, I feel like most of the people that I talk to on here have had some sort of traveling experience, or they've been um, like abroad somewhere, or somewhere like way out of their comfort zone. Like for me. I'm bringing this up probably like every other podcast. No, that's not true. But I spent like three and a half weeks in South Africa um, traveling the country. And so that was one of the things that I wouldn't say inspired this, but it's like sort of un- underlying for why I started this, the podcast to like, so I could expose um, or bring to light some of the more interesting stories that people wouldn't often get to hear. And so, um, from, from your perspective, traveling throughout Southeast, uh, Southeast Asia, I'm sure besides the close calls and dangerous stuff, I'm sure you met a lot of cool people, uh, saw a lot of cool things. Um, and it's always, I encourage people whenever people ask, I encourage people to travel all the time, just like experience other things because like, there's no substitute for that. Like you can look at a picture on Google, but until you're really there, it's not, it's not really the same. Um, You mentioned uh, your nonprofit. I think it is called Journey, Frontier Journey, is that is that correct?
1: The Journey Foundation, yes.
0: Journey Foundation, that's correct. Okay, so when so you started that when you were in Southeast Asia and the so what sorts of like when you started that, what was your vision for for that?
1: Yeah, our, our vision is to um, really enable humans around the globe to embark on these exceptional, uh, I like to call them volunteer missions, mm-hmm. to support a philanthropic cause that they're passionate about, but that something that really pushes their physical and mental limits. Um, and, and most of our journeys are currently focused on um, – Motorcycling long distances, or or cycling long distances, but it could be you know also like like walking um, thousands of miles or kilometers through uh, 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 mountains to to support um, you know the climate or uh, our, our other co-founder just recently uh, motorcycled. Uh, like 3,500 miles across the U S Jack Harmon. He's a a great guy and uh, he's, he's out there on an adventure and um, he's, he's enjoying life. Um, Although he wasn't necessarily supporting a philanthropic cause um, on this journey, but he has this vision to drive down to the tip of uh, uh, South America um, after, after Cabo, Mexico. And uh, so he's on his way.
0: So are you guys like raising money while you're doing this? And then you donate to a cause that you guys have that either means something to you or somebody has hit you guys up and say, hey, like, would be really great if you guys were able to raise money for X, Y, Z. Is that kind of how that how that works for you guys?
1: Yes, that's the, that's the plan in, in that we would support the local people that were um traveling through their country we we would support them and i'm really passionate about building a school down there in south america sometime possibly in in peru um and yeah really really enabling um societies in in rural areas to significantly improve their quality of life um gotcha with with the support from our community and and yeah
0: Um, well hopefully you get to build that school at some point Um, yeah yeah. that would definitely be i'm I'm sure i'm sure they would they would like it um so you mentioned the other thing you mentioned was frontier frontier space which is now a podcast so when you started it because i I think when we were talking earlier it wasn't meant to only be a podcast it was meant to be sort of a, a research organization um and oftentimes you need money to do that and so you left trident space where you were and you kind of i guess jumped into the deep end didn't you
1: yeah yeah the deep self-funded uh you know non-salary-based entrepreneurial journey Mm -hmm. um borderline uh you know homeless, uh, but 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 not really unfortunate and and white. Um, but yeah the the vision for Frontier space is to really become a space accelerator and research organization that um, that helps pass on the knowledge gained over the past over a lifetime and and um, enables the the network that I've built and the people around me to really fund their research. Um, and and entrepreneurship to accomplish these like insane uh, uh, space missions, like establishing um, like uh, innovative products in, in the Venetian clouds, you know. Or uh, for some, those
0: listening, real quick, what are the Venetian clouds?
1: Um a lot of people consider that region in our solar system to be the second most habitable area. It's the, um, upper layer of the, of, of of the Venus atmosphere. Um, and we have got, um, a lot of the conditions to support life. And so, uh, later in time, you know, in this century, there will be these massive floating cities that will support humans and, and, and life. And, um, and then, and then we'd also like to help directly, uh, uh, you know, empower the research from, from our community and others uh, to establish that fundamental research, um, you know, to, to enable uh, technologies and products to, to be affordably um, operated and, and designed um, on the moon, Mars, and and in, in orbit and uh, the asteroid belt and, you know all over (laughs) so Mm -hmm. so
0: are you guys doing more like knowledge transfer then i guess rather than the actual i don't want to say you're not doing actual research but it's more knowledge transfer really or like knowledge preservation almost
1: yes yeah we 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 currently promote underrated um like uh space areas and, and topics and um People who are really doing some interesting uh, um, stuff. And uh,
0: yeah. This sounds good. So you mentioned um, floating cities. And so for people who would say, oh, yeah, okay, that won't happen for like 500 years or whatever, what sorts of strides has. Also, one thing I wanted to ask you before I finish that question, you said um, ecosystem, you use that word specifically regarding the industry. What what sort of connotation does the ecosystem have versus industry or why, why did you use that word in, partic-
1: in particular? Yeah, I think um, I like the word ecosystem because it involves um, all of the life that's contributing toward the development of, um, an aspect of society or area, um, in this, um, star system. Um, and, but, but when I refer to it like ecosystem, I usually mean, um, like a, uh, localized region, um, uh, of, 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 of life and technology that's like contributing toward one mission and, and, and yeah
0: gotcha gotcha all right so in the ecosystem with industry what sort of strides have you seen that makes you believe that we're not that far away from a floating city or getting a colony on mars or something like that
1: yeah that's a wonderful question um So the floating cities on Venus are definitely farther off, but it's incredible the amount of momentum that can be developed and progressed um, through the research literature, the science fiction, and um, everything in between. Um, I think when we start talking about Mars and establishing um You know, permanent presence on Mars—it's much more realistic um, currently with the current technology, because there are these, like the the winds on Venus—they they uh, circle the planet with like three hundred and thirty to fifty mile per hour winds, And, and so there's a lot of technical design challenges there. In, um, in terms of deployment and operations, um, and then the lack of hydrogen too, and water. Um, but you know, as long as you have all the elements, so the surface of Mars, you know, it's um, that that that's also considered, um, you know, the, the second most habitable planet, um, and. In terms of the progress of Mars, you know, we have SpaceX and Elon and um, the, the Mars Society, Dr. Robert Zubrin and all these other um, millions and tens of millions of humans that are really everyone's kind of, um, you know, figuring out more and more about um, how all the pieces fit together. And it's really amazing. It's like a symphony trying to put everything together um in in your own mind and then seeing other people put it together and and then you realize the more you dig deeper it's like wow you know we're totally capable of putting humans in life and supporting life on the surface of mars and we have been the past half century but there's there's been a lot of roadblocks along the way in terms of um you know politics um and cost
0: He says, one of the things you mentioned when we were talking before before we started recording was you said there's a lot of things happening on the moon right now. It's insane the amount of things that are happening. And I was not aware that much of anything was happening on the moon, to be honest. So do you want to sort of elaborate for, um, for myself and those listening, sort of what sorts of projects are, I'll say, common um, or... Just correct maybe some common misunderstandings you think people have of, of what countries and companies are doing up
1: in space right now. Yeah, um, you know we have everything with NASA and Artemis in the, uh, the their Moon to Mars program. They've there are billions of dollars of um, funds being allocated toward um toward that project and, and designing the vehicles and habitats um to sustain humans on on the moon. they're initially aiming for 2024 human arrival, but they will likely be pushed back to 26 or 28. Um and then you have uh ESA, the European Space Agency is doing a lot of amazing stuff. And a lot of um you know the, the the Chinese and and the uh, uh, Roscosmos Russian Space Agency united to build this lunar base at the South Pole, um, and you have billions of dollars being invested toward establishing a long term presence um, specifically at the lunar South Pole, and and then the North Pole too, but a m- much more concentration on the South Pole and this uh, insane idea of excavating, mining, and processing the billions of tons of water ice on the moon is um, it's gotten legs and it's, and it's and, you know, picking up and, and um, it, it's going to start flying soon. And before we know it, there will be uh, these, a lot of humans on, on the moon and we'll look up at that rock in the sky, which was formerly called thea and collided with, with earth. And, um, we'll look up and think of the humans up there and we'll look at it completely differently and it'll be beautiful. (laughs) Um, and then that water ice is going to directly support, uh, the life in, um, earth orbit and, and on the moon and, uh, and everywhere else in between and, and, and in the inner belt, um, and yeah.
0: <laughs> interesting. Interesting. I didn't realize that the mining of the, uh, the water ice had picked up as much traction as, as it had. I remember reading an article for current events in science back in like, high school and middle school that somebody had thrown that, thrown that out there as an idea. And it was very quickly like, nah, like, we don't have the technology for that or the money for that or whatever reasons are, typically thrown out there for why you can't do something. Um, so what, what would the benefits be to that from the standpoint of we have water, we have plenty of water here um, and I'm sure it would cost a lot, but what would the sort of the potential benefits from, from that be?
1: The potential benefits are, um, are enormous. Uh, and, and specifically in terms of the science involved and discovering and learning more about the universe and galaxy and identifying, you know, the exoplanets beyond our system that um, are, are the most likely to, um, you know, hold our future descendants. Um, and, you know, the, the telescopes on, on the moon and on the far side of the moon, um, you can, observe a lot more with a lot less, um, noise from, uh, because there's no water in, in the moon's, um, atmosphere to, um, that, that, um, gets in the way of observing, um, the, the, the materials and and planets, um, there, um, and, and then even uh, the technology capability that's derived on the moon can be directly applied to Mars and establishing s- self-sustaining biospheres out there that, that are it's much less risk um, in terms of like a three day voyage with, with the conventional um, chemical uh, propulsion systems in, in, um, instead of uh you know going out to mars and then you know you're you're uh, stranded for a long time <laughs> uh,
0: yeah yes uh
1: and a lot more that, yeah uh,
0: i'm sure it sounds incredibly complicated um one of the other things that i thought was interesting that i meant to ask you sort of human nature seems to be one of conflict not and maybe not inherently but it is it's obviously throughout human history, tons of conflict wars, et cetera. Do you ever worry or does it concern you about the, the, weaponization of space and that sort of whole conversation that will need to be had once, once we get up to like maybe not floating cities, but once we get people up on the moon or up on Mars. And if well, I'll get your thoughts on that first, and then we can go talk about the space force, but um okay. But does that does that concern you at all?
1: No, the the weaponization of space does not concern me um in, in in the slightest. Um I think to some extent sci-fi has exacerbated um the weaponization of space uh from a lot of the movies and T V shows. I think that um the weaponization of space depends how you classify what a weapon is and the intent involved, but anyone, any party engaging in that malicious activity, you know, will be able to monitor it. And it, it's, it's like a, um, it'll be a detriment to their mission and vision as an organization or agency, because um, you know, doing things in space require, like big budgets and, and partnerships and, 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 and once you start weaponizing and attacking people and, and machines and, um, you know, it, uh, people don't want to collaborate with you when, when you do that stuff. Uh, um, and, but in terms of weaponizing, uh, technology to do, that is, uh, Holds significant value to help deter the near Earth object asteroids. That um, those those impending rocks, you know, they're out there, and uh, it's just a matter of time until they're they're on a close tra- trajectory and, and they splash down. So, one missed
0: us not too long um, ago. Is that is that correct? Is that correct? The one I think. One, yeah,
1: they seconds, they fly yeah. by all the time. Yeah.
0: So, if you're not worried then about conflict up there, what do you have uh, a strong opinion one way or another on the space force um, and some of the actions that the U.S. government has taken to sort of preemptively, I guess, gain sort of some some sort of foothold in in space?
1: yeah i am I, I generally think that you know i'm i'm for the space force and i i love what they're doing um and think it's overall it's definitely positive for uh the space mm-hmm. economy and and establishing um infrastructure in orbit in and other planets i think that yes the budgets could be spent toward more meaningful things in the space like um developing the capability to monitor Earth's climate um, or uh, other beneficial science missions for to, to monitor the atmosphere and environment. Um, but I think in the long term, that will directly benefit the... Um, the, the, the uh, momentum and, and capability to, to uh, operate large-scale um, structures and megastructures in space and, uh, and floating habitats and cities and orbital colonies.
0: Good. Hopefully, hopefully there will be lots of collaboration and not a lot of political, shall we say, um, roadblocks to this sort of stuff I know we can yeah I won't get into that now (laughs) Um, I also know that you've started a we'll say a school or academy called uh, Mars University or Mars U Um, and so is the aim for this to be an actual university or kind of to be able to certify people in different things or both,
1: or how do you sort of envision this going like, I don't know, five, five, ten 10 years from now? Yeah. Um, love that question. I think five, 10 years from now, Mars University will have a, uh, a research analog and education center um, that will uh, help enable our students and alumni to really um, advance their own passions and research and get hands-on experience. And that will um, enable that through, um, you know, people and, and students and young professionals who are enrolled in our uh, um certificate academic programs on our on earth to dedicated to making life multiplanetary uh you know we're we're aiming towards short online certificates currently and uh, to really help people navigate and say hey i know i want to help out in uh, in, in making life flourish and improve on mars but I'm not quite sure how to yet because there's so many ways that you could advance the research and then also position yourself to become an astronaut. And uh, I think what we're doing directly supports people who are looking to find that, um, you know, passion and and journey. So um, with the eventual goal of establishing a self-sustaining campus and, and to significantly improve the research around uh, Mars settlement and exploration by orders of magnitude um, from from our community.
0: Definitely, Um, most certifications that people know of, there's some sort of big name behind it. Like, for example, Security Plus, like CompTIA, it's a big name that everybody recognizes. Um, Have you run into any sort of trouble? um, I'll say, like, gaining students because of name recognition or sort of, like, maybe not being able to convince like what value would that certificate bring to, to me if I were to enroll, um, anything like that? Like, have you sort of encountered any of that trouble sort of getting off the ground?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, I think it's a learning, learning journey and that, uh, it, it, those kind of collaborations and partnerships with people like, uh, You know, like these space agencies, they take time to, um, develop and, um, we, we are offering our first online program this summer. And so we're, we're really just now beginning to engage with a lot of organizations and and, and to introduce this opportunity and, and, and get people who, that will back these, um, these certificate programs, um, and so, yeah, it's been a challenge, definitely. But uh, I'm very confident that uh, people will see tremendous value in what we're doing. And and um,
0: yeah, that's a very niche uh, niche field. So, like, if if I were to enroll, or somebody and listening, somebody listening wanted to enroll, what sort of value would um, like you said you're, you're offering your first online, online program this summer? What sort of value would that certificate hold uh, for me to put it on my resume?
1: Yeah, we're um, providing an industry-relevant certificate, and so we'll be—we uh, plan to be recognized by a lot of um, agencies and well-known, established corporate organizations, and so it'll help provide you uh, with a foot in the door to. Um, you know, uh, build a self-sustaining career around your passions um, as the cost to orbit significantly drops down to um, you know tens of dollars, and um, so yeah, I forgot where I was going with that, but yeah, I think that's in, it in a nutshell. <laughs>
0: So is it difficult to, like, to develop a curriculum for for something like that?
1: Yes, yes, it is. It, it is quite difficult um, to, to develop a curriculum without funding. Um, but the, um, you know, the faculty involved, a lot, lot, lot of wonderful people um and, and, and well-accomplished researchers, you know, like Daniel Tompkins, um, Elaria Sinelli, a lot of, um, the John Clark, you know, a lot of names and and people. Um, and it's difficult to coordinate, uh, sometimes with, you know, everyone's got so many projects going on these days, but the thing is, you know, each faculty, there are, they are, they've already, have you know years of experience decades of experience around this topic so they're they've like pretty much prepared they probably have like up to maybe around half of their like course developed probably more than half and so uh it'll you know it comes natural to to our instructors and faculty and um the other value is that you know Elon is wants to put a million people on Mars by 2050. You know? Yeah. Those numbers are like, like might be a bit high, but it's, it's a vision, it's a mission. And there will be thousands of people on, on Mars. And, um, I think that there's, we're fulfilling a, a educational gap That could be one of the largest gaps, educational gaps in the, education in the U S and on earth because it education about making life on the planet, you know, it doesn't really exist currently. And, and so then there's so many risks and, and uh, so much involved in, uh, you know, a, a, a two year mission round trip mission to Mars that, you know, Yes, spend a few thousand dollars to like develop your skills and knowledge, or you know, you, you, you jump out there. Even though there, there will likely be you know these um, uh, other programs from like the the um, and involved in um, enabling you with a skill set to live and work on Mars. Um, but so yeah, yeah, I think that's the other critical gap that that, that will. Were, were fulfilling and I was really craving this education myself and so I'm, I'm, I'm a poster child for this organization
0: so how did you go about like finding the faculty and then finding well one finding the faculty when you had nothing to show for it kind of you're like hey I need you to take this leap and then two how did you go about deciding you know which one you were going to offer first, or was that just a function of which faculty was on board first?
1: Yeah, mostly. You know, uh, it kind of came natural. Everyone is mm-hmm. like, "Hey, this person is like would be great, and uh, they'd be great at teaching Mars agriculture, or or about geology, or about you know the human factor involved, and and the the three D printing and robotics." um, these, you know, people just suggested colleagues and friends. And I, I initially just started calling people and say, Hey, we need help, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then eventually, you know, day after day, you know, hour after hour, you know, uh, not a key after mouse click, you know, it, it, it came together and, and it's uh, really come a long way in the past, uh, 16 months. Good.
0: That's awesome. Hopefully I think under the, under the assumption that things will take off the way you and Elon and, and others are describing, I think that'll be a very important thing for people um, moving forward, definitely. I think, let's see, what was, the, what was the last one you had? Did we touch on all four already? Or is there one more?
1: It's another one, biofrequency analytics was, was the last yes, one. Yes, um, yes, yes.
0: So, you've got the last business. It deals more with biometrics and bioanalytics, which on the surface looks like has not so much to do with, with your other passions, but as you described to me earlier, has definitely has some space undertones. Um, so, for, for those listening, you want to sort of describe uh, what that business does, what the purpose of it is, and then sort of where you hope to see that one as well?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um started around uh, five months ago around um November of
0: 2020
1: mm-hmm. and it was after um my mother nadia she discovered this this really is breakthrough um biotechnology called AO scan and it's a uh it's essentially a um, a software it's a digital and voice body analysis software that can remotely and non-invasively monitor thousands of human biomarkers, you know, over like 1500 biomarkers in the span of uh, a few minutes from um, short audio files and the digital imprint of the human body. And it's, um, so they scan up around 120,000 frequencies in the human body and you know because we're essentially we're we're oscillating every cell in our body oscillates at a predetermined frequency and we can monitor those frequencies as they fluctuate over time from disease stress or emotion you know those those there's that numerical value that can be determined from the bioresonance um and, and biorecognition and comparison process that's, um, occurs in the back of the brain. And, and so we can compare the nominal frequencies with, um, you know, those, those standardized human right frequencies with the, what they're actually resonating at, and then determine a numerical value from that comparison and, and difference and then derive just about any biological, um, uh, biomarker and and the inflammation or overuse of that particular biomarker. And so when I refer to biomarker, I, I, we're talking about like the, um, the health and status of, you know, your, your organs, um, your, your, the cells involved in your organs, your, your blood, your um, you know, whether you have sufficient um, amino acids whether you have, um, whether your blood count levels are, are aligned, whether, um, you know, the, the blood arteries and vessels in your head or throughout your body, your lymphatic system, your, whether you've been exposed to heavy metals, toxins, uh, fungus parasites, you know, even food allergies, just about anything. We can monitor all of that in the span of, um, like a few minutes and like, like, like like if I had a few more information about you, I could monitor exactly what um, you've been exposed to, oh, like in the environment from your food and surrounding. And um, and, and so that potential and capability uh, inspired the creation of biofrequency analytics to come in and say, Hey, there's so much data here. That's just sitting there and it's just sitting in a database, not being used. And so we're Biofrequency Analytics um, is a U.S. biotechnology company and research organization that is one. We're we're providing a few services, but we're offering these free scans to you know scan people and and help them learn more about their health, about this data involved, and then also to um, you know say hey like let's democratize access to this data you know let's give it out to people let's give it out to people in Africa people who really could significantly benefit from you know the, their their food and, and diet um, deficiencies and everything else and, and um, so we're also uh, collaborating on three active research projects with um, a lot of researchers and we're uh, remotely monitoring analog astronauts at analog research stations around earth um, it, and, and actually validating this data and verifying it and comparing it to the existing more traditional reliable methods like blood testing, MRIs and, and others. And so we're, we're really introducing this into the scientific and research literature to really help also build a community around this um, capability and data and then analyze that data and then provide it to researchers. Um, So I'm I'm going off, but, but with the eventual vision and goal to introduce this biotechnology and software to uh, space agencies and, and to really become the primary digital body and voice analysis software of the astronaut population throughout the solar system.
0: No, you're good. Definitely. Like that's, that's what we're here for. more details, the better, for sure, definitely. Um, How do you juggle all four of these sorts of projects or businesses? You only have so much time in the day, but somehow you're managing to juggle them all, and you mentioned that you've got other stuff on the side that you don't even still going on. So how do you juggle all that with, like, how do you balance your time?
1: Yeah, I really don't, you know? (laughs) It's just like, I'll just you know, one deadline after the other, and it's just, uh, I, don't know. Um, I have time management problems, yes. <laughs> but, but you know, it comes together because they're, they're found upon lifelong passions. And so you just passively work on each project as, you know, the thoughts come to mind, because it's really important to conceptualize and organize those thoughts into um, this digital world, you know, because once you recognize that your thoughts are like, around a project or research that's when and 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 if you build up those research or, or those projects over time that's where there's the 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 value confounds and and really exponentially increases on in terms of what you're doing um and and so as long as you're able to identify exactly what it is um that you're thinking about that that you know and then but the key is to know when to commit um in terms of like research or a project. Cause I, I think that's really, and, and I always say that like, you know, commit early, commit, um, you know, entrepreneurship is, uh, it's, it's really difficult <laughs> and everything I'm doing, it's self-funded and volunteer based. And, um, but as long as you put enough time and, and passion and, and, and effort and money into what you're doing, um, you know, you can accomplish anything. So, uh,
0: for sure. How do you know, like, for example, you like when you were in Southeast Asia, you had the I uh, want to start the Journey Foundation, and then you had Space Frontier. How do you know, like, or how long do you sort of toy around with an idea before you're like, "Yep, I want to start a business revolving this one"? Or what sort of um, I'll use criteria because it because it's probably the simplest thing to conceptualize. But what sort of criteria does does the idea have? Before you're like, yep, this is good enough to sort of run with it.
1: Yeah. Um, there's not much criteria involved to be honest. It's, it's kind of like, Hey, this is a really good idea. It gets me excited. And, uh, you know, I'm going to start working on it. And the next day I just, you know, go at it and the edges of the paper and, and, um, and then but then the important part is to have that passion to work on it continuously over the next days and and you know if you have that passion to um to 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 continuously work on it then um then 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 you're then you're golden and ah uh, yeah I don't know. I, I, I struggle with answering that question myself because you never know really. um, Mm -hmm. You never know when is the right time.
0: Yeah. Surely you've had ideas though, that you've been passionate about and then you've not started a business based off, off it. So sort of like what's the difference between like your idea from Mars, you versus something that something else, like what is it? The amount of passion that you hold for that idea or like what's, or is it a feasibility and
1: like practicality sort of thing or. Yeah, it's definitely a measure of passion. You know, it's, it's, that's, that's, that's really what, com- what it comes down to. And you ask yourself, Hey, like, can I commit the rest of my life toward this project? And if you say yes, you should just do it. <laughs> um, and And I feel comfortable, you know, saying that to everything, and all the companies that, that we've helped start. Um, so
0: that's good. So what if if somebody listening was on the fence about uh, starting starting their own business in whatever field or industry, and was looking for maybe a piece of advice about whether it's. Um, Whether it's sort of like the logistics of it, or making like getting the getting funding, or making connections for for starting their own business, what sort of advice would you have for those people as far as like the networking and the, and the logistics of of starting your own, of
1: starting your own business? Yeah, I think um, there are kind of two different philosophies in life, and one of my life philosophies is that. Uh, follow, follow impact and passion over money. And, uh, and, you know, that's kind of what underpins a lot of my projects that, that, that we're working on. Um, but that, that's because I'm in a fortunate situation to sustain myself financially. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm living with my parents. I'm, I'm 25 and I, feel completely comfortable with that. Um, and I'm in no rush, you know, I think. But uh, the, the, the piece of advice I, I would say to, to you listening would be. Um, you know, don't be afraid to fail and don't. Uh, you know, and. and, and uh, just kind of get out there and kind of, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You just can't be afraid to fail. And, uh, you just don't, don't ever give up because, uh, because what you're thinking about is, is highly possible. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I could have thought of something better, <laughs> No,
0: that's that's good. It It seemed like it took that sort of seemed like that sort of advice took you to a spot that maybe you heard somebody told you that when you were first starting out.
1: Yeah. What also resonated with me was that, um, entrepreneurship, you know, it's, you start out, um, and you think about, Hey, your first company is likely, uh, not going to significantly take off. Right. And so entrepreneurship is sometimes about testing those waters and, and, um, and then, you know, if a project doesn't take off, you know, recognize when to move on. Um, you know, I, I, I've certainly had a fair share of projects that, that, you know, they just, <clears throat> the I'm um, but, um, and, and, and then, but then like, the, you know, getting out there and asking, say, Hey, who's interested in this and who's willing to pay for this, you know, who's um, and, and getting and putting yourself in, into those shoes and, and positions and conversations just fearlessly. And cause I think now is, but like, it's such an amazing time for entrepreneurship just to, in terms of getting like meeting people, building teams, you know, meeting strangers who are like well experienced, you know, you can meet um, a lot of people and, and, mm-hmm put together teams rapidly and it's incredible. So I think we'll definitely look back on this time and think about the COVID and and we'll think about wow, like is COVID actually significantly improved the human society and um and 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 how we operate. And and then also on the entrepreneurship that kind of and 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 research projects and and, and how many projects everyone was working on. I think it's significantly just exponentially increased during, during COVID because we have more times on our hands and and, to, and recognize that we can passively work toward projects and, and that don't necessarily need like firm time commitments, you know? so
0: Yeah, definitely. Those fortunate enough to sort of keep our jobs, um, yes. definitely have more time. Like we've lost the commute. So that's probably on average, I would say probably about two hours a day for most people, if not more. Um, you mentioned something about meeting, meeting new people. Have you heard of uh, lunch club?
1: Yeah, I have. Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. So I had um, uh, Andrew Newman, who was on the podcasting episode 15, I think it was. Um, he founded this app called by the people, which for is basically like, uh, a political candidate running in like a local sort of election would be able to go on and put their platform on and then schedule meetings with their constituents sort of like town hall style without the um, sort of roadblocks potentially of physical spaces or getting licenses to do certain things. They can just meet face to face like like this. You can ask them questions and, and all sorts. And so he, one of the things that helped him was Lunch Club uh, and getting those sorts of connections to get their app um off the ground, so uh, do you i've i made an account i haven't really used it yet, but do you use it or not really
1: yes, yeah i uh was introduced around uh maybe a few months ago early twenty twenty one and I think that it's incredible when you start thinking of these software and applications that are will be around for a long time that fulfill a need. You know, I think Lunch Club, yeah, it's directly, it's 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 one of them that's going to be with us for decades, centuries, or 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 just that concept of human interaction, meeting people seamlessly. You know, yeah, um, something... and and it's really, um,
0: no, go ahead, keep one. Who are you saying? No, go ahead, keep one. Uh,
1: um, it, it's it, okay. Um, it, it Lunch Club can really be uh used in so many ways and i think we'll see a lot of business models stem off of lunch club as 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 you were saying because it could be applied to you know every or or, or um most industries and fields in terms of like you know the space community and, and uniting humans that are passionate about similar things and researchers and um you know football and, and th- all these separate niches um, and, and it's also a, a s- s- superb way to meet people in a city you want to travel to and live in, um, mm-hmm. you know, because you can choose and, and meet dozens of people before arriving or hundreds of people. And then you have this network of like, wow, like, wow, this is a great way to like find a job.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? definitely. Yeah. I think there's something to be said though, for that face to face human interaction, the in-person um, I know definitely some people are missing during COVID, but there are definitely people who are like yourself and, and others who are thriving uh, in this time. I think moving forward, hopefully, like you were saying, I think human society will be better for this. I hope I hope that that's the case um, because I hope that businesses and, and people in decision like with this decision-making authority will realize that. Hey, some people might be better working from home, and some people might be better in this way or that way. While others might need, might want to be in the office, and so hopefully there will be some more, some more balance, and hopefully we'll see some sort of improvement in mental health. I think as a, as a society, but I don't know. We'll see.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I think so, and I believe so, um, and yeah. A lot of, uh I don't know, a lot of downs, but a lot of ups too. So definitely.
0: So what's what's next for you going forward? If you had to plot out sort of the the next, we'll say like I don't know, five, three to five years, what where where do you hope your projects will be? Where do you hope you will be? What sort of where do you think you'll you'll be at?
1: All right. so wonderful question. Um, you're asking a lot of great questions <laughs> I, you know it's kind of to be kind of to be determined um, I'm you know working day by day and uh, I think I will likely uh, relocate somewhere that we would like- likely um, establish a uh, I don't know you know yeah I'll, I'll, I'll uh, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll be we, Relocate somewhere. We're looking to establish a, like a long-term campus and um, and research facilities. And I'm I'm pretty passionate. I'm really passionate about uh, traveling, and uh, you know that there's always that back of the mind uh you know drop everything and just go cycle across the country you know and um so that's you know been in the back of my mind for a few years now and so one day i'm just going to keep on riding and 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 go and just travel across the u.s and, and live in california for uh a few months or years and then you know whatever u.s city or else in the world um a lot of uh things to be done and seen and, and explored. Um, so we'll see the time shall tell.
0: Sounds good. I think, well, we'll get all the links to all your stuff in, in the description, uh, journey foundation, space frontier, the bioanalytics and, uh, Mars, you will get all that stuff down in the description. Um, any final, final thoughts or tidbits before we wrap this up?
1: Yeah, man. Love what you're doing with the podcast. Uh, think uh you know keep it up it's got a uh, a lot of legs and i think it could really become something uh you know meaningful and and uh i uh and i hope to one day play that uh play soccer sometime
0: <laughs> oh I'm sure hopefully yeah hopefully the podcast to i don't know it's on its own path i don't really have not much of a just going where it takes me, but you never know. You never know. Well, I appreciate your time, Cole. It's been it's been a pleasure. Definitely learned a lot about space stuff that I didn't know before. Um, hopefully, well, you know, when Mars, you or something takes off, we'll get you back on, and you can show us your you know great new campus and all the research facilities. You can even record from there or something like that.
1: Yes, yes, that would be that would be a dream come true right now. Yes. Yeah. Look forward to that, to that day.
0: Sounds good. Bye, everybody.
1: All right. Thank you.